0: This is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast. Since late 2015, I have had the opportunity to host a pair of amazing programs called The Trip Talk and Be Investable, both on the Michigan Business Network. I invite you to please enjoy some of my legacy content I was able to create while being a host on that network. What you are listening to are some of the engaging conversations I've had with entrepreneurs and with innovative individuals from across the United States, and in fact, the world. They took the time to share their insights about what it means to be investable. We'd like to welcome our listeners back. This is the Trep Talk, and my name is Michael Melfi. We're here on the Michigan Business Network talking today to Josh Luber. So good afternoon, listeners. I'm here with Josh Luber from Campless. nice speaking with you today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So before we hop in and I'm gonna ask you definitely about your your company and a little bit more about your background but the first thing I always ask every entrepreneur
1: is what was the first time you made money and how did you do it? I'm gonna give you two because to be truthful to the question the very first time I ever made money was a incentivized report card system with my father Um, but since that was family we will say that's not external. In sixth grade I sold chewing gum. Okay. I sold uh, bubbleicious chewing gum. And there was an Acme that was behind my house, an Acme grocery store, and I would uh, hop over the fence behind my house, and I could buy four packs of Bubblicious chewing gum for a dollar ten, and I could sell them for a quarter a piece, and there were five pieces in a pack, so that ends up being five bucks that you can sell. So uh, I was basically making, you know, four hundred percent on my money, and <laughs> so that was sixth grade, and I st- it started purely by anything else, which was I was I had gum and someone wanted a piece, sure. and I didn't want to give them a piece, and I was like, hey, I'll give you cool. a. <laughs> order for a piece and said, okay. So then I sold it and then became more and more. And I started doing it. I started building up an inventory. And the, the issue was the four pack, you would have four different flavors, strawberry, orange, I don't know, two other flavors, right? But no one liked orange, but it wasn't worth it to buy single packs. So I ended up building up this like back inventory of orange chewing gum packs in my locker in sixth grade. And so one day this kid, and I will, I will not name names, but he wanted a piece of chewing gum and I wouldn't give it to him for free. And I was a scrawny little kid like I am now and he was much bigger than me and so he basically was gonna beat me up and so I ran and he chased me and I was carrying this bag that had 132 packs of chewing gum in it, mostly orange and he like tackled me and the teachers like broke it up and the teachers looked in the bag and you couldn't have gum in school anyway let alone <laughs> let alone selling it so they confiscated 132 packs of chewing gum from me and and the kid never got his free gum but that kind of put me out of business so that was my first business made a good amount of money had a bunch of gum but most of it went to that orange gum that got confiscated by school and that that was my first business.
0: And a total side note that's by far the best one I've heard. I love it. Thanks man. So the
1: the second part. It's all true. (laughs) The second
0: part I always Mm ask is what do you remember? What did you take from that experience? It sounded like a couple things. You knew exactly how many pieces of gum. Uh It was your first in business and out of business but what what did you take from that?
1: Strategic partners (laughs) right like it would have been well worth to give the kid a piece of gum or like a pack you know know, he could have set up a protection from the other Kids were also bigger than me too. Yeah, Strategic Partners was uh, my downfall in that business. Awesome, awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you. So,
0: so now I would say you have a kind of a unique story, right? You didn't, you didn't go go into business or start out saying I want to be in the sneaker business, right? And they're not called gym shoes, right? You taught me that
1: one. That's right. Uh, you didn't start out doing that. You actually started something totally different, right? Where did you start out? Yeah. In fact, not only did I not start out I want to be in the sneaker business. I started out saying I don't want to be in the sneaker business. And I intentionally avoided it. So I've collected sneakers personally my whole life. I mean, I literally have shoes from when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And so all my life I intentionally avoided starting any businesses or even working in the sneaker industry almost out of fear of creating a business that was just an excuse to play with sneakers, right? right. Not to sort of mix you know, business and pleasure. And so, and so what was the question is how I got? And just so, so how it ended you have up an there? Interesting background. So yeah, yeah. You, you, you didn't even start out. You ended yeah. up in a totally different world. We right. I talked about that. Right. So, but I was always just always interested in business, and so I was always looking for other businesses, mm-hmm. and some happened purely out of personal happenstance, the gum business, whatever. But all my other startups actually happened from friends who were either doing the business or were, were doing something in that and they recognized the opportunity. Most good businesses, almost all of them, happen by happenstance where you're whatever, you're working at a a clothing store and you realize that, you know, people could do this better or that better, right? Is right. within there. But I wasn't was never in that situation. However, my very first real startup was a company that was called Tech Experts. And it was essentially Geek Squad before Geek Squad. So we would go to people's houses, fix their computers, set up wireless networks, teach them how to use computers, that sort of thing. This was in 2000, and 2000 2001 in Atlanta, Georgia. So this was before Geek Squad. It was, before wireless. it was right when wireless networking was a possibility, but it wasn't plug and play. Your cable company couldn't set it up. And I don't know anything about computers. I don't really, I'm not a technologist. I couldn't do the work that our people were doing. I couldn't go out to people's houses and fix their computers myself. But a friend of mine from college, we had just graduated from college, was a tech guy. He was making money by going to people's houses. And I said, well, that's a good business. You know, I was like, you should scale this. We should get other people and do this. And he's like, well, it's like i just know how to fix computers why don't you help me do it so i took him he helped me recruit other like-minded people we were in atlanta so we went through georgia tech and found georgia tech students and grad students who were way overqualified to go and help people with their computer but it was happenstance of seeing this business from a friend who doing that and we said hey we could build something bigger from there and that's how that started And we ended up building a consulting business which was eventually called tech experts.
0: Awesome, and you did that a couple more
1: times after that before you got to where you are today, right? Sure, right, so that was the first business. Uh, I sold that um, as I was going back to grad school and it was certainly not a, a huge, sale or anything, but it was, it was nice. It was a couple extra dollars. Uh, it was a profitable consulting business, but like any consulting business, it doesn't really scale that well. Right. Um, and so I went back to grad school. I was a, a JD MBA uh, at Emory University in Atlanta. And upon graduating, I took a job with a big law firm because that's what people do when you go back to grad school and, <laughs> right. uh, and have that opportunity. But um, before I even started working there, we started working on our second business. And the same scenario happened is I had a friend of mine he owned a bar, uh, and he was running his bar, and this was in 2006, uh, and he was using MySpace to manage his staff at his bar. Now, MySpace was still bigger than Facebook, and it was right in that like very yeah. short window, right? There were no iPhones, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, and so he said, well, this is just a horrible experience, but my whole staff is on MySpace, so I kind of have to use it. In order to tell people when they when their shifts are, how to change shifts, etc. So he said, mm-hmm. you know, he knew I had, had this other business. He, he knew I was always sort of, and so he, he brought it to me and said, listen, it's so like we could build something better here. Do you want to do this? And so me looking for businesses, absolutely, right? And and so we turned it. We, we built a company called Servinity, which was a play on the words service or service industry, right? And serenity, right. And the basic product was a. Um, An employee management tool for bars, restaurants, or really any business where you have employees that are not all in an office the way we are. Not everyone's on Outlook. People have multiple jobs. Low wage, low skill, high turnover, um, and tough to to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. We literally built our own social network platform because there was no... Uh, Ning, there was no social network in a box, there was no tools to be able to do that. Facebook wasn't well, as big as MySpace. There, weren't, there wasn't an iPhone, there weren't apps. And so the timing of that was, was horrible from a technology standpoint because we had to go build all of that ourselves. But both of those businesses have the exact same uh, problem or I don't say problem, but w- versus what I do today. Is I was not personally passionate about, uh, about either of those, about computer repair or you know, computer technology. I could care less, right? bars i certainly frequent my share bars but i about being i've never worked in the service industry you know sure. a day in my life and so there was always that inherent sort of disconnect between seeing the business opportunity versus having the inherent industry knowledge or having you know and and so they were successful for what they were right but i never had the same thing that i have today and it was always because i was intentionally segmenting the things i was most knowledgeable most passionate about from business and maybe that's good in some cases and maybe it's bad but that's that's how those two things work. And those were the two most fully formed companies that had real revenue and, and raised money and, and that whole thing. So. so then fast forward, now all of a sudden you got this awesome company, you're doing something you
0: said you weren't gonna do. I wasn't gonna make a business in the sneaker business, right? What, what from those experiences do you think really, was, was it something happened? Was there a defining moment for you that really said, you know what, I'm gonna move down this route or I'm gonna to go to, to get to where you were today?
1: So the first company that we did, Tech Experts, happened because, um, so I, I, when I graduated college, I, I took a job and I was working at a furniture company. It was actually a, a distant relative owned a furniture company in Atlanta. I was working there, company went through bankruptcy and I got laid off. I was a naive, you know, 22 year old kid. And, um, and they came to me and said, you know, we're we have laying off most of the company. And there's again, like, here's the information about unemployment. And I was like, what's unemployment? They're like, oh, well, you know, they'll pay you while you, I was like, they'll pay me. I was like, "This is awesome!" So I was making more in unemployment almost than I was. I lived off unemployment for six months. I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" And so that's when someone was like, "Hey, you know that like business idea? Like, why don't you you know do something?" So I never even thought to start a business at that time because when I graduated college in 1999, it wasn't like kids today and and have all of this historical past and entrepreneurs and. So I never even thought about that. And it's a long way to get back to your story, but as so a week into like running this company, running, having starting tech experts doing this, I was like, well, crap. I was like, this is what I want to be doing for my life. I want to be starting running businesses. I want, you know, it was like, you know, big light bulb sort of thing. So fast forward to, I shut down Servinity, right? It shut down in the crash of 2008 and you know, talked about the technology and why it, so it wasn't right timing, but I shut it down and have a wife, you know, and go and take a job at IBM. And so I go work at IBM, and it's a great job, and there's a lot of reasons why I never thought I'd go do that, but I did, great job. And immediately, this day, like literally the day I like accepted my offer, was okay, well, I need to be doing something on the side, right? I need to be creating some business, even if it's not, you know, I, I, I recognize the inherent problems with doing any side business, so that's fine. If nothing else, just to sort of keep me sane.
0: Great.
1: So I needed to be doing something on the side, creating some sort of business. And I had a couple other ones that for the first couple years at IBM, but after I'd been at IBM two years, and um, again, continuing to my own personal sneaker collection and, and be a part of that throughout that whole time. Um, at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012, there was just this mass growth within the sneaker industry. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this huge influx of people, of social media, of Nike getting better and better at what they were doing. And I was doing all this data work at IBM. And so purely as like a side project idea, Mm -hmm. I was like well I wonder if I could take all this data work I'm doing at IBM and just play with some sneaker data. Because all this was happening and I was like all this growth, I was like I wonder how much it's growing. I wonder." if anyone had done this. I wonder if anyone had created a, a price guide based on data. And so it was a combination of what I was doing at work, my personal passion as a side project. I never thought at, when I started it, that it would necessarily be turned into a full-time business. Um, it was just something that was interesting. Obviously, fast forward, there's a lot of things that happened that propelled that, but that's why it started and how at the time. And it goes back to the, I just always wanted to be starting running businesses from. The first time I realized that that was a possibility—that I could do that.
0: Got it. So you, you make this seem very easy as we sit here and talk about opening businesses, getting JDMBAs, going to work for IBM. Look at, look at probably look at your resume—it's pretty amazing, right? There were definitely it wasn't I see you not, and it wasn't always that easy. What What would you say was your most through this journey, the most difficult experience you had?
1: Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty easy one. Okay. Um, to your point, it was there's there's never you know, none of it's easy, right? right. And, and, and right. all that. But the worst and most difficult thing I ever had to do was um, with Servinity, which was, um, again, the, the restaurant employee management, you know, tool, um, we raised uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars to get the company off the ground, sort of friends and family mainly, but it was handled as a very much a professional type of round. And, um, and when we shut down the company, um, I personally called every one of those people who had given money some of which were my actual friends and family in addition to friends and family of people that uh, my co-founders and as you know as the CEO and as I called every single person and you know there were no voicemails or emails it was like you know and explained everything and you know had that whole thing and basically tell them you know their money was gone um, and um, and it was right in the crash of 08 I, you know, the big crash basically happened in September. We shut it down in like December or decided in December. So it was like January, February of 08. And almost without fail, every one of them immediately went on to, can I help you get a job? Can, like it, it couldn't have been a worse time in the world to be looking for a job um, at that time. And um, so it goes a lot to say, you know, it, they made it a lot easier than it was, but, um, that was, I mean, that was really tough. And I still have a list of who all those people are and, and how much money and, and all that. And, you know, maybe one day, you know, someday sort of thing, but um, that was, uh, that was tough. And having lost other people's money is way worse than, you know, than any of the other stuff. And like, you can, you know, spend as much time and have businesses that don't work, or firing people is pretty bad, you know, but yeah. having lost other people's money is, is definitely the worst. What do you
0: think that, what did you learn in that moment, or what was? I mean, it speaks a lot to your character and to your integrity for sure. So I acknowledge you for that. But what do you, what do you think you took? I mean, obviously you, you could have easily just said, "Now, nah, okay, send an email or text message." But you took the time. What, what came out of that for you?
1: Well, I never, um, for whatever it's worth, right? I uh, I never really thought I had a choice, um, but that didn't really make it easier. It was always like, all right, well, this is like what you have to. Do. You sign up for this when you ask people for their money. Yeah. You know, um, you know, in the beginning of it, but it definitely made it, it definitely changed the way that I approached fundraising the second time, right? Uh-huh. Um, the first time you do it, you kind of don't know what that part of it feels like to go after and it, it was almost, it was almost a little like in retrospect too, not too easy, but I kind of didn't take it as seriously enough as I maybe should when I yeah. first went out and, and raised money. Not that I didn't take it seriously, but no, you don't know that part of it. And so every time after that, that I've, that I've been part of fundraising in, in any capacity, um, there's a, you know, you kind of remember that and think about that through the whole time, and you know, mm-hmm. so that's, that, that was a certain important, and it, that'll, you know, that never goes away. Awesome, yeah. awesome, that is, that's really good. Um, switching gears for a second, how do you define success? So many people um, have many different answers, right? And um, when I was in, uh, I was an undergrad in one of my business school classes, we read a book, and it was one of the few books that I can remember actually, you know, reading and doing all your work, right? But it was called The Goal, and many people have probably read that, right? But the bottom line is the goal of business is to make money, right? And it facilitates everything else. So if you're an entrepreneur and you want to continue to start and run businesses, Mm -hmm. um, which is the like higher level goal and success, right? Success would be to um, always be able and to sort of make my career of always continually starting and running businesses, right? but, you know, you don't get there if you can't make money, if you can't create a profitable business, if you can't actually like, you know, execute the fundamentals of business. Mm-hmm. So you know, success starts on the most micro level of, of any of it, right? So whether it's one customer or one paying customer or one, you know, whatever it is, but you know, it's to stay in business, it's to be able to, to do this, and uh, and to always be able to start and run, you know, companies.
0: We talk a lot about that idea of, of business development, of being able to go out and sell something, right? It's it's so important and you to just reiterate that. I mean that that's where if, if you're making money it's gonna it pays the bills, it allows you to grow your company. It also makes it easier to talk to investors, I gotta imagine, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So um, you're, you're, you've had an opportunity to interact with some great people and some of your investors are pretty phenomenal. Um, do you have any role models that you look to either in the past or currently in your business? So,
1: I don't have, um, I have a type of a role model, right? Sure. Not an individual person. And a lot of the people that I work with now or in the, in the past, you know, meet this. but. Um, I've worked for and with a lot of different um, success, successful business people, um, both in the startup world and the big corporate world, and law. Um, and it's the characteristic of um, leaders who make who who inspire people to work with them. Who people who want it, it's a I don't want to say it in a sort of cliche way, way but um, there's a, there's a big difference between leaders who um, people work for because they want to, right, because, and I've always kind of, i wanted to be that. i wanted to to have people work with me because of, um, not because they felt like they had to, right, everyone's had bosses that either didn't like or they became because, uh, they were their boss because they were assigned there. Right? There wasn't a choice to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, when I ran campus, we had 17 volunteers uh, when I was doing this on the side. And we could have had more, there were well over, you know, 100 people that asked to volunteer to be a part of that. and. I, ha- I talk to every person for at least a couple hours, you know, via video beforehand, to get to know them and understand the people and for them to get to know me and want to come and actually, you know, work with me for that, um, for that reason, for kind of who I am and, and do that. And so it's kind of a long way. It's, there's been different people throughout my career who've, who've met that sort of characteristic. And one of the things that I, this isn't meant to be, um, to come back to what I'm doing today, but Dan Gilbert is, is absolutely that and the way that people here uh, talk about him before I got here before I got to meet him um, is that everybody just loves to work with him and everyone and wants to and it, it was um, it was really became true and then I came here and got to meet him and got to be part of that and that type of person that type of leader is certainly like who my role models have been as I've moved throughout my career and become a entrepreneur, become a CEO, you know, try to become a leader in those roles. And there's a couple people who I can think of off the top of my head at, at, at a law firm, at IBM, who kind of met that same criteria and many, many others who haven't, right? Many, many others mm-hmm. haven't. And those are the people that kind of stick in your mind the more, right? It's like the yeah. people you don't want to be like.
0: Yeah. So, so as, as, as the listeners out there, they're saying, okay, I want to find other people. How, how do you, they go about finding mentors like that or where do they, where do they learn more about that?
1: I know it's hard. yeah that's that's the hardest thing right It's it a lot of it is is really luck right um, if you're in an organization and there are other people around you who either happen to be good or happen to be you know the, the right type of people that you want to work with um, not a lot of people have the pure flexibility to be able to move and, and do that and say I'd rather work for that person than that person or you know you, you get tied to someone and um, I don't know man, a lot of it is luck and, and I'm in a very lucky position right now to be where I am and work with who I am. But there's been a lot of other times where, you know, it's been the exact opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, I can't believe I have to, you know, work with these people. But, you know, we all kind of go through that. Awesome. So the last
0: question I have for you is, is, as a successful entrepreneur, we have entrepreneurs listening out there. They want to say, okay, I want to either start my business and some of our listeners, they already have a business, but they want to take it to the next level. Any advice for them?
1: um yeah so the one piece of advice that i think is is universal um and i struggle a lot with trying to find you know how do you build a business and have success and um because i've had a few businesses and they had mild forms of success but never so it was like well what can i control what could i control a hundred percent um and i was like i could outwork people you know and for the past three years four years or so I mean I pretty much you know haven't slept and I've had two full-time jobs you know and and I've had the support of my wife to be able to do that Um, but you can always outwork people or you can always you know you you can always work more trust me you can always work more you can always you know and and the more you work then you can get smarter about doing that so it's not purely a you know a banging your head against the wall exercise but you know it's it sounds really simple um, but I never really did it until this last time where you know every waking second you know sort of thing and I think back to one of the other things we talked about is I think it's because now as I've combined my personal passion with work right it doesn't feel like work and sort of another cliche you know part but it doesn't feel like work it, it's I want to be doing that anyway, Absolutely. so it makes it easy to work, you know, 25 hours a day when, you know, you you want to be doing that anyway. So when you get lucky enough to be able to do that, it makes it easier to just say I'm just going to, you know, or work people.
0: Awesome. Well, it, it it's what started with you 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 saw a need for people wanting to have gum in your locker, your yeah. locker right? Now now you're providing people with the need to have the data, the big data necessary in a, in a new industry in the, in the sneaker industry, which is I think kind of bringing it full circle, which is really cool. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, Once again, this is Michael Melfi with the Trev Talk on the Michigan Business Network.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for taking a look back with me at some of the relevant conversations we've had over the past couple years across the entrepreneurial ecosystem and the investable world. As always, check out the Be Investable podcast's latest episodes here on iTunes And also, look for some of my blog posts on the Michigan Business Network.